Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Hey, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Today, I've got uh, Don Dwyer on with me. Don is a managing partner at Guardian Jet. Guardian Jet, for anybody who doesn't know, is one of the top uh, aircraft brokerages uh, in the business jet side of the industry. Don's been around the industry for a long time. I first met him uh, several years ago when he was vice president of sales at Hawker Beechcraft. And thrilled to have you on today, Don. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Well, Craig, thanks so much for asking me on. I'm I'm grateful, and it's always fun to talk about what's going on in our world. So we were just talking offline. You're you you're you're we're talking a little bit about the uh, the market, and uh, so you guys are you guys have really made a dent the last 18, 20 years since. Uh, since your company was founded and you're doing, I know you're doing a lot of transactions, but you know, what are you seeing in a, what are you seeing in the business jet side of the industry with regards to the economy, with regards to the elections, um, transactions, et cetera. So I think what we've seen is over the last couple of years, um, we had fairly robust, I'll go back to the last three years, pretty robust numbers of transactions and actually a stabilization in the pricing of, of the best models in the used market, you know, I, some of the some of the older kind of airplanes that are heading towards obsolescence, market obsolescence, anyways, are still decreasing in value at, a, at an alarming rate. But the but the, there's been a stabilization, I think, a compression at the bottom end of pricing um, over the last couple of years, uh, which has been very healthy. Um, the number of transactions in 2019 did decrease. So the, the, we track 120 some markets, um, the, the 55, what we consider a markets, which would be the ones that we do the most business in. Um, the number of transactions was down a little bit more than 20% for the industry. We were, we were kind of lucky. We kept growing through that, but I, I, I'd say we were masked a little bit by it because we've been adding salespeople. So, uh, you know, our transactions should go up. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it was a good year. We didn't reach our goals. We, we had a hundred transaction goal and we were a little bit short of that, but still it was our best year ever. But I do think that the, you know, the, the increasing inventories, which we're seeing across the board and a little bit slowing of rate of sale, in the resale markets will, um, will will cause a little softening in pricing this year. So, so big, we're looking towards that. So big, you know, the big, uh, you know, the big news is, you know, from the OEM side of the house, the top of the market, the 650, the global 7,500, the, you know, the, the big cabin, the big metal stuff is really selling the little metal, you know, the, the, the smaller jets are a little bit stagnant. You think that you know? Does the uh, does the big cabin side of the house continue to grow while everything else stays stale, or do you, have, you know, from an OEM perspective, or do you do you see everything? How do you see it all trending trending out? Well, you certainly see the OEMs making the big bets on the on the large 
cabins. So, you know, the new G700, the 7500 you mentioned, the, um, you know, Falcon's got some products we hear in development, don't know a lot about it, but I think to compete in that size. So there, there's a lot of competition in the very, very high end. I also think the kind of the super mid-size is a very, still very, very popular. Um, that, that's been a very powerful size aircraft since its introduction with the, you know, the thought process that it operates for a mid-size budget, but you get a little bit more cabin comfort, um, and capability has resonated in the marketplace. So we see both those segments as staying very strong. Um, but both of them have attracted a lot of competition too. There's a, there's a lot of ways to spend, um, you know, more than $40 million or more than $20 million in the super midsize. Yeah. So, well, you know, as one guy told me one time, he says, look, if you take a challenger 350 or a, you know, super mid from Embraer, you know, or, you know, Gulfstream 280s, like, you know, they're all great airplanes. You know, the, the they're, they're, they're all terrific. Um, you know, what's, what's differentiating, what's differentiating these guys right now? That's a really good question. Um, so you've got in the 350, you've got the pricing leader and the market leader. You don't, you don't see that all the time, you know, where it's the, the least expensive option of the, of the three we're involved. I'm in fact today, I'm at a very large company that, um, is, uh, is looking at, um, a multiple super midsize purchase. And so we've asked all the, all the manufacturers and they're all a little bit different. They all have strengths. Um, but, um, but it's hard to differentiate. So price is one way. Um, there's now some performance leaders, you know, I mean, the 280, when it jumped up its performance to the 3,600 mile range was a differentiator. Now the crater goes another three, 400 miles past that. So, you know, there's, uh, the, but now you got the longitude entering that space. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of choice and that's just a new, now you take that same $20 million and you throw in a used, you know, Falcon 2000 or, a. So there's just a lot of choices out there right now. And we see the same thing in the, in the kind of high end, Craig, you, you know, as you and I know, 20 for 20 years, the top of the, the market was 50 million bucks. Um, you know, somewhere between 40 and $50 million to buy a five fifty, a seven X or a global. And, uh, you know, now, now there's a lot of entrance in that mid forties and above there's, you know, that's the fourth airplane in the Gulfstream lineup. That's the third airplane in the Bombardier lineup. So it's, it's a crowded space, but, um, but it's where there's a lot of activity too. Yeah, no, well, um, yeah, Hey, look, yeah, as we all know, you know, at the, at the big cabin space, I remember, you know, years ago being a Gulfstream, there was about a 20% net margin, 25% net margin on a green aircraft. Yeah. You know, so you're talking about you know, $24 million aircraft, five to $6 million profit. And, you know, when you're, when you're making five to 6 million out the door per copy, you know, life is pretty good when you're trying to slug it out at the lower end and making six or 700,000, you know, that's a tough living, you know, you know, volume is, it's a hard way to go. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the big push towards the top. I don't know, but it, it yeah, it seems, I, I also it think though that there's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's overcrowded. And I think, uh, you know, but I also think these are really smart guys running these companies. They're reacting to what their customer base wants. 
Um, and they're all coming out with, whether they're clean sheet designs, they're all coming out with improvements. You know, we see the 6,500 at Bombardier being, boy, a really competitive airplane right now. Um, the five and 600 at Gulfstream are extraordinary airplanes. A lot more to replace it. You know, if you got a 450 yep. and you're going to replace it with a 500, it's a pretty big delta right now. But, you know, you're, you're getting something for your money, though. You know, you're getting newer technology. You're getting more capability, more size, more speed. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of really interesting airplanes right now. No doubt. So let, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk more about your business. So you guys are, you're, 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 you're really, you've been really successful. I know you're, you and your brother and you brought on a, a really good team. Um, you know, what are people looking for when they're, when they're hiring y'all is, you know, it's more than being just a broker or you know, transactional. What are they, well, for what us, are they it's for? way more, you know, yeah, we built a consulting business on top of a brokerage. So, you know, the, the easiest way to describe the company, Brian, is that we we conduct transactions for the most sophisticated, smartest buyers in the world. You know, the biggest companies and the, the smartest people um, through providing great consulting, through providing great intelligence. So um, we use the consulting business in whether we're doing fleet planning for the biggest companies in the world, which we're privileged to do that on a regular basis, as well as the, the guy coming out of, you know, that's flying 150 hours of fractional and he's flying a little bit more and wants to know what he should do now. Um, so the, the consulting business has led to our, to our, um, you know, our, our ability to retain customers for a long time. And, uh, and it's gone great. You know, the, the idea of hiring a sales force that has products and services more than just, you know, waiting for your next transaction. Um, it, it's gone well. Um, yeah. It's an expensive way to do business. So I don't know that Mike and I are the smartest guys in the room, but we think it's a good way to, to build something of value. Yeah, no, I hear you. What's, uh, what's, what's top of the mind in the customer's heads right now? I mean, a couple of years ago, it was, you know, it was a falling knife with depreciation. You know, today it's not so much the depreciation, you know, but you take your average, you, you take your average, I'll just say, a, you know, a G500, G550 flyer, you know, they're, they're getting a 7,000 mile airplane, but their average leg is, you know, is two and a half, two hours. What's, uh, what's the biggest issues that they're looking at as far as? Uh, yeah, it's, that's a great question. So it's, it's a little, um, it's a little different for the two. We have two very distinct customers. One is the corporate flight department um, and one is a high net worth individual and um, on the high net worth side I think uh, I think there's this sort of uh, they're they're still a great deal of creative wealth in the United States so companies corporate profits are good um, you know small business owners are doing well uh, so there's a there's still a great economy going on in the US but there's also this sort of feeling of people waiting for the other shoe to drop. So on the on the high net side here, I think you're you're seeing you know what's it going to look like in 12 months, or you know is there a correction coming? You know, there, anybody ever remember a 15 year bull run? <laughs> so um, so I think there's a little bit of that going on on the corporate side. There's definitely a um, a movement to right sizing to um, not necessarily buying the, the flagship 
from the OEM, but buying the right airplane for the mission. And that means uh, sometimes turning part of the fleet into smaller aircraft, a lot of that. Um, I just sat with a, a big Midwest flight department yesterday and uh, their thought was, you know, we're, we're, we're flying 300 mile legs with 1.8 passengers. You know, they could do it in CJs and not in the, the, the large cabin airplane they were they right. have. So so there's a lot of talk about um right sizing and then defensibility of the flight department because of that. Um and on the global scale, I'll tell you the one that is the most concerning is or I think the one that's become a much bigger part of the con- conversation is the carbon footprint. So in Europe, I just got back from um, the corporate jet investor conference and I spoke over there and I, I, in an interview I did, I said it, it went from being two years ago, a part of the conversation, the carbon footprint to the conversation now. So it's, there's a lot of talk about it. I still haven't seen evidence of people making decisions based on it. So, you know, we still have a robust, we're still building seven, 800 new jets a year. As an industry, we're still, you know, doing over 2,500 transactions in the used side. So I just haven't seen it, um, you know, become reality, but it's, it's very much a part of the conversation. What fixes that conversation? Is it, you know, sustainable fuel? Is it- you know, that's a really great question. So, because I, I don't have the answer, but because it was so much part of the conversation, I talked to a lot of people and I asked a lot of questions about what people understood or knew about sustainable fuels, what they knew about carbon offsets, where you would go get a carbon offset, how you would do it. And it was shocking to me, the lack of real knowledge. Um, So I think as an industry, we've got to do a good job of educating what it is because everybody knew the buzzwords, but nobody really knew, you know, how much more was sustainable fuel than, 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 you know, than than jet fuel. Um, where do you get it? Who supplies it? Um, you know, on the carbon footprint, where, where do you plan a forest? You know? Right. <laughs> so it was, I think the sophisticated people know, but for most of us out there, it's, um, that's why I say it's not so much a reality yet as more a perception of it's coming. Yeah. I got you. I, I, I hear you. What do you think about, you know, so what's the movement from, you know, be owning your own airplane to fractional or, you know, part one, a lot of part 135 consolidation, a lot of charter management companies now eating each other up. Well, so the frax companies seem to be doing really well and they all seem to be sort of morphing into what the next generation will be. Um, they're all, uh, they've all got, um, they're either uh, we see some really interesting tracks companies on the smaller side with with some real discipline that are doing well. Um, Flexjet, uh, Netjets, these guys seem to be doing very well. They have um, they're certainly vertically integrated with management companies or partners or um, or so the, the large operator seems to be healthy today. Um, you know, whether it's VistaJet, Flex, Net, um, you know, they all seem to be um, attracting customers. We're also seeing um, the first, I, I think in the last few years, we saw 
the first what I would call recognizable wave of people coming out of fractional and buying new airplanes. Um, we, we did a lot of first-time buyers in the last few years buying very sophisticated airplanes. Because if you think about this, Craig, you know, my generation sort of got introduced to aviation through, uh, you know, maybe they bought a King Air and then a, then a, a, a jet, then a bigger yeah. jet. <laughs> and these people are entering um, aviation in good size airplanes operated by very professional crews and the highest levels of service. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting entry level into aviation. And so when they're coming into the wholly owned space, which they are now right. uh, more than I've seen in the past, uh, you know, they're, they're, a, it's hard to call them a first time owner. They're a very savvy, sophisticated um, aviation user. Yeah, no, that's it, it. Look, I think that, you know, fractionals have given, done a really good job of either giving somebody a taste of it and they go off and buy their own or, you know, keeping a customer and it's kind of the shared economy, right? It all depends on, you know, just the, the needs, you know, the fractionals can't be everything to everybody and they know it, but on the flip side too, the, you know, they're, they, they provide a great service and, um, there's a lot of value there too. So uh, they, they well, been, we're big fans of flight departments as supplemental lift. We're big mm -hmm. fans, you know, when you, when you have a, you know, a mission that, um, you know, a hundred hours, uh, but, but there's, there's, there's tons of good options, whether it's Kenny and, and, um, wheels up or, or, um, you know, the FlexJet has an interesting program right now where they're selling days on airplanes as opposed to hours right. um, in their large cabins. So, I mean, everybody's kind of morphing into um, in some really interesting choices uh, for uh, for the consumer. Yeah. Hey, look, when I was in the fractional, it was you get what you get and you don't throw a fit because we're not negotiating. Well, right. that, you know, that right. lasted about, that lasted about 20 minutes because you got a very sophisticated buyer and you know, you're just not going to tell a very sophisticated buyer that there's no negotiation. Um, they'll go figure, they'll go figure it out a different way. So, yeah, I'm glad to see people are getting, you know, are getting very creative. So, yeah, you know, let's let's finish it up. I know you got a busy day. Um, where do you see the market? You got Bombardier. I'm 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 hearing a little bit of rumblings about the financial health of Bombardier and what they got to do with the BizAv side of the house. And you got Gulfstream coming out with the 700. Cessna is obviously you know rolling out the you know the latitude, the longitude. Falcon's got some stuff coming on. Yeah, you know, Embraer as well. How do you how do you see it all? Who becomes a really strong? Does the does Gulfstream get stronger while Bombardier gets weaker? What do you what are you seeing out there? Well, you know, I mean that people have been predicting that for a long time, and um, you know, we're big fans of both companies. Uh, the, the only thing I'm sure of is everything we've heard so far about Bombardier and what's going to happen is probably wrong. <laughs> um, yep, just, you're right. Kind of like it's kind of like an accident, you know. Every I. I it's amazing the opinions I've gotten from people who, you know, who ask me what I think yeah, and then tell me what they know, which, and they're so diverse, you know, um, they're canceling this line and that line. And they, you know, so I, I just, I've told our customers, listen, we, we probably got to see, um, we'd like to see, uh, you know, 90 days from now, what, where things shake out before we make some big decisions. And we think that's probably prudent, um, but uh, but we think there's going to be uh, 
I, I think there, I don't think you'll see a changing landscape. Having said that, you know, I worked for a company, Craig, that went away. The most popular selling business, mid-sized business jet of all time went away and no one noticed. Yep. You know, we were just building so many airplanes as an industry at that time. Hawker Beechcraft literally goes away and, and I don't think anybody sold an extra airplane <laughs> because of it. Right. Yeah, I hear you. So, so, you know, there's a lot of models out there. There's a lot of OEMs right there. I, I'm not sophisticated enough to call that there's a need for consolidation, but, um, but I do know that the, you know, I, I, I do think the aircraft division is the gem of Bombardier. Uh, the business aircraft piece is the piece that they'd want to hold on to the most. And the one that probably is the most desirable out there. Um, you know, they make, the, a great uh, jet. they make a great jet. They, they make a great, they make they, a fantastic airplane. And they sell a boatload of them. So, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're, we're kind of, cautiously optimistic and saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's watch things settle down. Um, but, uh, but we also see a lot of in the corporate world, a lot of, um, people stepping up to new airplanes this year. I think it's a very good time to be buying airplanes. Um, we think, you know, we're still at even, even with a little bit of pricing stabilization, you're still at historically low prices for the most popular airplane on the used resale market, you know, mm -hmm. you're at, at $22 million, you get a lot of G550 right now at, at, you know, $12 million, you get a, you know, there's, there's yeah. wherever you're looking at, whatever price range you're looking at, you're getting a lot of value in the used market. And because there is competition in the, in the new airplanes and our, our, our new buying, which is mostly driven by the corporate world is um is very strong right now you know so we're um we're we're bullish on the year uh you know but uh i met matter of fact you know in spite of what i hear around the industry our our um we the title of our sales meeting was double down you know so yep. we think it's a good time to to keep um to keep growing so well, good stuff you're uh sounds like you're optimistic for 2020 then yeah, you know, I'm, I love to think I'm like sometimes 50% the most competent guy in the room and 50% the most neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I think I think we're looking for a good year. We're, we're, and the more I'm out, in the, and I, I spend a lot of time out with customers, the more I'm out with the customers, they want to they be doing things this year. They want to, they don't want to change their buying habits because of, you know, or at least we haven't seen it yet, so. There you go. Well, good. Well, go uh, go sell something. Thanks for uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on today. You got to come back. Uh, you got to come back in a couple of months and tell us how progress has happened. How's that sound? Oh, I'd love it, and I really appreciate the the forum to to talk about what we love. I really do appreciate it. Thank you.